0: Hello and welcome to the Loft Podcast. This week we will be continuing our God So Loved series. Get ready to have your thinking challenge and your faith turned up. All right, for God So Loved the World, He Made a Church. We've been in the series for God So Loved the World, and if you can remember some of the things that we've talked about, God So Loved the World. That he gave us salvation by his name. God so loved the world. He made us not not just heirs, which he gave us inheritance, but he also made us kids. We become God's kids. He loved us so much. God gives us transformation. He doesn't leave us in a broken down life where we were before, hurting and bleeding and just whatever messed up. He comes and he brings us transformation for God so loved the world. This has been the series. For God so loved the world, he gives us community, a community to live in. An inheritance to be had with the saints for God so loved the world he gave us a covenant with himself because he could swear by nobody greater than himself so he swore by himself and gave us a covenant with himself through Abraham for God so loved the world he brings correction to the sons that he loves we kick against the goads trying to get around it and rebuke the devil but God is bringing us into correction for his purposes and for our own good And today, I just wanted to talk to us a little bit about church. Now, every year, we do some kind of series or at least a message about church. A couple years back, we we did a a series called Church the Way It Ought to Be. I don't know how many years ago that was. And we started talking about the tenets of the early church and what happened there. You know, the disciples gathering together, breaking bread together, talking about Jesus until he comes, pouring over the apostles' teachings, and doing good work in the community. And we were like, hey, we can do that, and we can glorify God in it. Last year, we did a series called The Deconstructed Church because we felt like we had to hit it again. And, and I guess for me, as a leader and, and as your pastor, sometimes I think, how do I get this little church big? How do I grow this little church into something big? And, I mean, God's constantly, constantly correcting my heart on that and the way that I think all the time because I'm not. I can only be who I am. I can only wear the coat my father gave me. I, I can't help it who doesn't want to be here, who does want to be here. But what I can do is look at who is here and speak life. I can look at who is here and is in my community, and I can receive you as a brother or a sister. And then I can speak life, and I can make disciples. That's one of the marks of my life, and I know it. I make disciples out of Christians. And sometimes it takes a while for a Christian to realize oh, I'm not a disciple. I just go to church. And so I looked up some funny memes. Well, some of them are funny. Some of them are scary. And I just thought we'd look at them for a second. The first one says, let me put on my glasses so I can read these perfectly. Church is not something you go to. It's a family you belong to. I like that one too. That's true. If you look at the definition, if you just look up the definition of the word church, it means the building Christians worship in. That's what the definition says in in the the definition place, okay, the dictionary. The second one says, we will never change the world by going to church. We will only change the world by being the church. Do you like that one? I think both things are necessary because I find it almost impossible to go out and be something that I've never seen. How can I go out and be a representative of something that I'm not part of? Therefore, if we're going to change the world by being the church, we have to be in church. We all know the church is not a building, it is much more. And we get that. We walk with the Holy Spirit on the inside everywhere that we go. But we gather together in obedience to God. Here's one He who is near the church is often far from God. That's fun. I'll just let you meditate on that for a sec. Church members are either pillars or caterpillars. The pillars hold up the church, and the caterpillars crawl in and out. Amen. You figure out who you is and move accordingly. I'm going to read the purple one first. Or that It says, church health is the key to church growth. All living things grow if they're healthy. And I would tell you, regardless of how many Individuals are sitting in the room or watching on Facebook. That's not the growth. Do you measure growth by the amount of people? Or do you measure growth by what's happening in your heart, in this area in your being? Because I measure it by that. And this place is growing strong. Okay. And then this last one is by Martin Luther, whom I happen to think is pretty cool. He said, if church history teaches us anything, it's that we cannot afford to be a vacillating church We minister to a people who are in great need of hearing truth. We dare not make any attempt to soft pedal that glorious truth. Soft pedal is that that pedal on the piano that makes the note softer, so you can barely hear it. We don't do that. We go ahead and play. Woo, for God so loved the world, he made the church. So I think if we want our church to stay small, and again, I've already talked about numbers. I'm talking about the content of the people in the room. If you want your church to stay small because it's comfortable and everybody knows your name and, you know, you have um, a fellowship, everybody knows who you are, whatever reason you would want it to stay small, you wouldn't understand the significance of it. But if you want your church to grow, you would understand how powerful the church actually is. How many lives have been changed in this very room? How many people have gone into the baptismal right here behind me? Life gets changed in church. God loves the world, so he sets up church. Jesus left us with the thought of the church Comparing it to his own body, and to a bride, those two things are pretty valuable. Your own body—you're going to do everything to protect it. It's your body. That's why you flinch when something hurts you. That's why you grab a wound whenever it starts to bleed. That's why you say "ouch." Or that's why you don't want a bee to land on you, hun. I was watering my mom's the other day, and it was a little chilly, and a bee got on me, and you know. Typical girl, man, I got that robe off, threw it on the ground. He's like, where is my video camera when I need it? Anyway, just a little glimpse into how it is at my house at home. Anyway, if we, if we love our church, then we want it to grow. We want, it, we want people to be welcome here. We want people to come in here. We want people to, be, to become disciples who were once Christians, right? All right, in Matthew 16, verses 18 through 20, Jesus made a statement about the church. He said that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. And I just, I happen to have the privilege of being in the room with um, Stephen Furtick and Brandon Lake. Brandon Lake, if you don't know who that is, he writes a lot of the songs that we sing here. And Stacy is a follower of his. She admires him and admires his work. He actually was nominated Songwriter of the Year. I think he won that title and he should. I mean, Graves into Gardens, is that one? I don't even know. Throw them out, Stacey. A couple songs that he sang that are, they're just, it was great. So We're standing there worshiping God in the room with these guys. And, and Brandon Lake made a statement. He said, you know, the devil tried to make us all think that COVID was going to tear down the church forever. And he said, look around. The church is pretty strong tonight. And we looked around to like 10 or 12,000 people they were worshiping God. Every single person entered with proof that they did not have COVID, so don't panic. It was all right. But we had to prove that. So um, my, my thinking, though, after the fact was, is this church? Is this what church is? Because 12,000 people minister or ministering to God, worshiping God, I mean, it felt, it felt good. It felt anointed. It felt like a celebration. But is that church Is that what it is? I mean, it is to them. I mean, they have a stadium. It's packed out full of people. But for me, church is where you do know my name. Church is when I open the door and I can look into your eyes and I can tell if something's up. And I can come and minister to the pain and you can see the same in me. And we link arms and we have a mission together. To me, that's what church is. I've been in both churches. I like both. They both have elements that I enjoy. I like being able to just be a number (laughs) and no one knows what I'm thinking or how I'm feeling or what's going on. Sometimes that anonymity is kind of cool. You don't have to deal with yourself. (sighs) But Jesus said, not just COVID will not keep the church down. He said, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I guess to start off, I just want to talk about gates. If you've ever seen one, it's pretty much two posts connected to a fence and it's the door part you know that keeps you in or out we have baby gates now so the children can't just go and do whatever they want to do well gates are inanimate they are not they're like this table this table is not going to attack me but i could knock it over if i wanted to gates do not come and attack us So if the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, this body of believers, then the church must be actively trying to push back the gates of hell. I don't know if you're understanding me this morning. It's so quiet in here. Our job is to push back the gates of hell, to storm them, to push them back. How dare the devil try to come in? and claim something that God meant for us, his heir, his children. The gates of hell cannot prevail. And what is in hell that I want? I don't know. A billion souls to have another opportunity maybe to worship God. I don't know how that all goes, but what I'm saying is if Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail, then they won't. And it's my job to start pushing, point one. Point two, what did Jesus... You know, what is he saying? Peter, this is the rock I'm going to build my church on, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What is he talking about? And I think if we just look a little bit here at Matthew 16, we'll get the story. And this is coming from, you know, the Pharisees were just grilling Jesus, you know, giving him the same old trouble about what, you know, what he's doing and who he is and who does he think he is, and Jesus puts them in their places. One of the times he calls them hypocrites. So when you get to, you know, he gets away with the disciples – if we scroll down a little bit to like verse 13. He just had a time with the boys as they were all together. And he goes, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And they're all like, oh, he's mad because we didn't bring bread. You know, they're having this kind of discussion. But that's not what it was about. He was saying, beware of wrong thinking. Watch out for wrong thinking because just a little bit goes a long way. It's like yeast. And it'll take you on a path that you didn't mean to go on. And in verse 13, they end up alone, just Jesus and the guys. And this is one of those moments. This is one of those walking through the vines, you know, together where Jesus starts to say, I'm the vine and you're the branch. And he's going to speak something significant right here. So lean in. Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? If you remember last week, I gave you a few questions. I said, Can you answer these, and can you email them over? And thank you for those of you who participated. It's not too late to participate if you would like to. I'm still working through what you said and what your heart is and what your thoughts have been toward what is church. Well, this is one of those kinds of questions. Who do men say that I am? And it's an easy one for you, Christian, to become a disciple and take out into conversation moving forward from here. Who do you at lunch who do you say that I am? Who do your friends say that I am? And you can start to t- t- start to talk about Jesus in that way and have the conversation. Who do, you, who do men say that I am? And they begin, to, they begin to answer him. Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, well, who do you say that I am? And that's your part two question and, and homework for the week. Who are people saying that Jesus is and who do you say that he is? This is something you have to know as a Christian. You you have to have an answer for who is Jesus and who do all the people who are around me think Jesus is because of all the things that we're doing in these last days, these last times here on earth, whatever it might be, a day or a century, we don't know. God knows. But of all the things that we're going to do to break through, it's going to depend on the voices that we're listening to. It's going to depend on who we allow to speak to our lives and who we're running with, and who we're tracking with, and who is that, and who do those people say that he is. It's important. Simon Peter leans in. He says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Man, Peter is, he's just cool. I like him. I really do. He reminds me of myself, and I think anyone who puts their foot in their mouth on a regular occasion can relate to that. It's like he's so aggressive, and he's so passionate about the things of God, but he sometimes does the wrong thing. You know, Jesus shows himself in all of his glory on the Mount of Transfiguration, and Peter's like, this is cool. Let me make you a tent. We could stay here forever. Jesus is like, well, we might want to do a little bit more than that, you know. You will never die, Jesus. He's getting ready to say that. You'll never die. I will fight for you. Jesus says, you need to stand down, Satan. You don't understand the kingdom of God, you know. But right here in this moment, Peter is having a good minute. You are the Christ. You're the son of God. And Jesus said to him, and get the wording, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. He's still Simon. Jesus is a name changer. He changes your name. He changes who you are. He's saying, Simon, the name Simon, it means wanderer a vacillator, a wanderer. He's like, blessed are you, you wanderer, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but also my father who is in heaven, and I'm saying to you, you are Peter, Petra, rock, Dwayne Johnson. You are the rock, and on that rock, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. So what is Jesus? And then he goes on, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whew, that's a lot of authority. So So you have to see it. Jesus sees Peter even when he's still Simon. Jesus sees the good gift in you before you're even aware. Jesus sees the potential of your life. He sees who you are, and he calls you by that name. There's even a place where he calls him Simon Peter because he's in the middle. He's trying to figure out who he is. Simon Peter, and he's walking right there with Jesus. Here's what the rock is that Jesus is building the church on, the one that can't stand, the gates of hell can't stand up against. The the fact that he changed your name, that he saw who you were, and he changed your name, and he made you into a rock, something powerful, something immovable. And the fact that you know who he is. When we know who he is, nothing can stand against it. And that's what I'm going for. I'm looking for something in our church that makes a difference, that has a resemblance of who Jesus is, and, and what did Jesus intend the church to look like? What are we supposed to be out here? What are we supposed to be doing? For God to love the world, he put a spirit on the inside of us. For God's to love the world, we're sitting in church, but we have our Monday through Saturday life after this, and we should carry that same power and authority everywhere that we go. He ends this little, this little scripture, go down to verse 24. He says, if anyone wants to come after me, deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Man, I don't like that scripture. I like to do my own stuff. I'm going to do what I want to do, and Jesus, you come along with me. Jesus, would you bless what I'm trying to do? Would you come along? Would you put your word in my mouth that I can go anywhere, and I can just, like, put out my little magic wand, and ding, you're a Christian, and ding, you're delivered, and ding. That's how I walk around. Come on, Jesus, put your favor on me. Leave me handfuls on purpose like Ruth and Boaz. Yay! Wee! If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? And what will a man give in exchange for his own soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with angels, and he will reward each one according to his works. Surely I say to you, There's some standing here who will not even taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. When is the last time that you took a pause and asked God, does does my life please you? Does my worship please you? Does this room right here, like, ever since I started asking myself these questions, they're inspired by Francis Chan. And just for fun, I'm so glad I didn't say Jackie Chan because I have been saying Jackie Chan every time that I'm talking about this but not to be confused. Francis Chan was a guy who started a church and it became like this mega church. I mean huge. And he started to look around the room and he was like, does this please you God? And God was like, I don't even, I'm not even in this room. You know? What, what What are you talking about? You know, this is so far away from what I meant. And And God spoke to him to start small group churches, and he did it. He started little home churches, and he has a ton of them. He'll still go and speak in the large arena. He's not too little to do that. But he would go and just speak about these things right here. When is the last time that we as a Christian paused and said, God, does this please you? I mean, you don't have to get kooky. God, does my, you know, the way that I buy my groceries, does that please you, God, the way that I, I mean, maybe you do. I don't know. Whatever God is leaning in you about, do that. Doesn't my serving please you? God, when, I, when I'm loading boxes out of a truck into a car to feed someone, does that please you, God? It pleases you, okay. When I'm mopping the floors in this building, and rearranging churches, I'm rearranging chairs and I'm cleaning shelves and places that have dust, does, this, does that please you? Is this what you want? Does it matter to you? I don't want to just be Martha for nothing, but if it pleases you, I want to do it. Does it please you? And this is the place I'm looking for. I'm, I'm starving for this. I'm, I'm wanting this, and I want us to get a hold of this. Does this relationship please you? it's what I'm doing here, does this please you? And if there's ever a place where I hear the answer to be no, then I want to change my behavior and change the way that I walk and live, right? Do you wake up in the morning for church and think, man, Hope I get something good out of this today. (laughs) Hope she's got her game on. Hope there's good coffee. Hope I can park close to the door. Or do you wake up and get ready in the morning and think, what can I bring that would please you? See, that's very different. That's very different. And that's why I sent out the questions, you know? So I send out the questions so that we could ponder what they are. If you don't know, you could see Angie or Scott or um, some we have them, Stacy, we all have them in our phone. Because I want us to go somewhere. We like to move as a unit. We're known for it. We'll show up at an event that's a four-square event. and we all kind of sit in the same area, we kind of hang out together, and even if we don't, our spirit is there. And people, oh, you're with the loft. I see. You know, my niece works at a, at a restaurant in Imperial, and she had one, a local pastor come in. And he has a big church. He has four services. Can't can't find a place to sit in there. And he's telling her, you know, telling her what's going on. And she goes, "Well, I love Jesus. I go to church." And he said, "Where do you go?" And she goes, "I go to the loft." And he goes, "Oh yeah, I've heard of it. You know, I heard of it because we pass out food on the parking lot. You know, why I heard of it because there's a chick pastor who loves Jesus who has tattoos. Somebody heard of it. We just think people don't even know we're here. People know we're here." Somebody's always watching your life. Somebody's always taking an inventory. Does this please you? God. God, can I bring something to the table this morning rather than just look at what I could take away? Because every single one of us has a gift. If Jesus called the church, the, the entity of the church, the church at large, if he called it his body and he called it his bride, it matters. And if he called, all right, Paul does the does the description. In the book of Corinthians, comparing the body of Christ to the human body. And here's how he does it. Well, here, let's just read a little bit. It's 1 Corinthians 12. Start in verse 12. Paul's describing, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we're all baptized into one body whether Jew or Greek, whether slave or free, and all have been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. And this gets kind of interesting, because if you're looking, I'm standing here, I'm one one human, right? Inside, what you can't even see, heart beating, lungs filling up with air, you can't even see that. You can't even see my egg bites from Starbucks digesting on the inside. I've got four systems happening right here, right in front of you. Can't even see it. All the underground work, all the people that make stuff happen that you never even see, that you never even credit or never even know what they do. No one knows how much time it takes to prepare for kids are they coming today? I don't know. I went ahead and got a message ready anyway. Went ahead and got a craft ready. Went ahead and bought some snacks. If they come, I'm ready. And if they don't, my gift is ready, God. Wherever you have me, I'm going to be poured out. Nobody even sees that. I've got the respiratory system, the digestive system, the circulatory system, and a nervous system you can't even see. Here's what you can see, me standing here with this amazing hair, with this great outfit. I got fingers, I got toes, I got my nose, I got all these parts you can see. And the body of Christ is represented by each piece. And I can tell you, I might just take care of what, what you can see standing here, but I can guarantee you if I stub my baby toe, I don't care about anything else but my baby toe. And it's the same way in the body of Christ. Everybody has a part to play. Without a baby toe, your balance is off. I'm not calling you a baby toe. I'm just using that for a reference. You're probably somewhere in between. I happen to be a mouth in the kingdom. That's what I have. I know how to talk, all right? What is your place? What is your gift? Because you are loaded with it. You're dripping with anointing. You've got the talent of God on the inside. And it isn't even about you. If God puts that in you. Why? To glorify him, God puts a gift in you to serve the people that you're sitting next to, to serve the people you're going to have lunch with today, the people that you're on your job with. Man, but you know what we do? We bought into the way the world thinks, and we look and act and talk just like them. We complain at the water cooler. I don't even know if that's a thing. We complain. We, we hate text, you know. We give people, we diss people on the side. We're, we shouldn't be like that. Does this please you, God, the way that I'm living, the way that I'm speaking, the way that I am? And help me find a place to give my gift, my contribution to the body of Christ. For God so loved the world, he loaded you up with gifts. Somebody just needs encouragement. Somebody just needs you to go knock on their door and say, I was thinking about you. That's all. That's not hard. I was thinking about you. I made this food. I had a little extra. I thought I'd bring you a plate. What is your gift and how do you use it? I like it. You know, there was, there was a story that uh, Francis Chan, I'd said it right twice, told in the, in his, in his book, and Scott was sharing this information with me too. He was talking about this pastor that was in China, and they had a huge underground church. The church in China amazes me. As much as China's on my last nerve with the political tensions and all that right now, people that are saved in China meet in little underground rooms, in somebody's house, but nobody knows it's a church thing. And they'll gather together. While we sang at the top of our lungs, just give me Jesus as loud as we could, they meet in a little group. Because if they did anything else, they'd be in trouble. So the regime was harsh, saying you couldn't have Christianity openly, you couldn't have church, and so they were meeting in these small groups, just like I was describing there. Somebody has the word. Maybe they have a page of a Bible, because that's easy to eat. If somebody comes in, you can't get caught with that. So... The regime or whatever the word is, the dictatorship lightened it. And they were able to come together and meet in churches. And so they did. And it was a pretty good crowd. It would be just like if all of us got together, which we are all. All the four square churches are going to get together sometime in January and have a night of worship. It should be, should be amazing. There will be a lot of people there. It will be fun. And so they started to meet like that. And pretty soon, you know, the dictator changes his mind, arrests the leader, puts the pastor in jail, you know, he gets out of jail, they start small group church again, and they're back doing their whisper praise and eating the pages of the Bible again. Well, he told Francis Chan, that's the best thing that ever happened. Because when we were all meeting together, everybody just started to come and look at me and hear what I wanted to preach, but nobody wanted to do anything. Nobody wanted to upkeep the building. Nobody wants to, to tend the garden. Nobody wants to freshen the paint. Nobody wants to clean the toilets. Nobody wants to come early. Nobody wants to do any, any of this stuff. Nobody wants to give. And he was like, man, the best thing we what could have happened to us is to get back at, into our small groups at home because everybody wants to pray. And everybody wants to pray for each other. And everybody's worshiping in their whisper voice. And everybody is attending. And everybody is giving, and everybody's loving God. And it's like Francis Chan says, well, why in the world would you ever copy the United States on that? Yeah. Is what I'm doing pleasing you, God? Because if it isn't, please show me what else you want me to do. Yeah. And if what I'm doing, God, is pleasing to you, then be glory in it. Would you just glory in it, God? Would you show me the rest? Would you guys stand up with me? What, what an honor. What an honor to be called by God to represent his church. God, I know, I know repentance is a cure. That's all I got, man. I got a heart that's humble before you that says, I'm sorry for all the times we messed this thing up, God. I'm sorry that we try to get you on our side. Are you with us? Or are you with them? No, I'm for myself. Help us to hear what you're trying to say. God, you have to make a covenant with yourself because we don't know how to keep it. God, would you speak life to us? Would you get in the middle? You know, we pray this song. Would you come like this mighty wind and move on the inside? We don't even know what we're saying. God, that could be a tsunami on the inside. What a troubling moment. God, let it be that we don't recognize anything else as long as we have you that's what we need god we need your presence we need the reality of you speaking the direction of life to us in the days that we live in this father we can look around and see it we can see it that this is the last days we know because men have become lovers of themselves and not lovers of god but you're not little and you're not invisible and i know you god you're patient And we have mistaken your patience for absence for a long time. God, we're sorry. God, would you come? Would you breathe on us again? Would you remind us that you have no rival and that we are yours? That you so love the world that you not only made us saved through your name and through your blood, that you then made us kids. You made us your children, God. You've made us heirs unto righteousness and to salvation. God, you've given us our humanity as a gift. Help us to regain our hearts of compassion, God. We'll never be artificial intelligence. We are human, made in the image of God. Help us to regain our humanity. God, you have made us transformation. You have made us a creature of transformation on the earth. Help us to fly. God, correct us. Set your hand of correction. Let us not be the wild children unfathomable. Help us to bring you glory, God, in our very beings. God, you've made a covenant with us. Thank you. We don't have to sacrifice an animal for our messy sin. We just bear it all to you and we ask you for grace to overcome. And we thank you for the stability of grace that helps us to rise and to walk and to take action and authority in the name above every name, Jesus. We thank you for this word today, God, that we might be the church that is pleasing to you. Amen. Mm -hmm. You guys, I love you. If you need prayer, I'm still going to be around a little while. Otherwise, get your faith on, get your praise on, go be the church, and I'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us today. Remember to like and follow for the next installment of The Loft Podcast. If you want to be a partner with The Loft, you can give on givelify.com. If you need more information, check us out on Facebook or at theloftgathering.com. And of course, join us 1030 Sunday mornings. Hope you have a great week. Till next time.